So, you know, names are really important. The names that people have given. You know, sometimes we choose names because they sound cool or they're unconventional, um, you know, and some of our celebrities, I think, should be shot because of the names they try to choose to make them completely unique. But this morning, I want to look at some unique names because they were given to a person. Um, and I know, of course, we do have some Emmanuels today, but we will see a little bit different about this Emmanuel and his name. You see, names, uh, especially in the Bible and often in different cultures today, speak about the person's identity, something that's true of them as a person. And, uh, and so as we do that, but the first thing I realize is that there's a special name. The name is Tiffany. And Tiffany has a birthday tomorrow. So Tiffany, you'll have to come up and get a chocolate. Quickly. And boys and girls, I've got lots of chocolates, so you're going to have to listen carefully because I'm going to be asking questions while I'm going. And if you get the question right, you can do what Tiffany is doing. Do you want to choose one? Wow, there we go. Okay, and uh, so for example, talking about names, what do you call a lady who likes Christmas songs? So you've got to put your hands up. Carol, there you go, and, he's, and we have a winner. Yeah, you see, all the adults just talk, you know. The kids put their hands up. There we go. And uh, let's see. What do you call a man in a pile of leaves? Russell, there we go. <laughs> there we go. Good luck. Okay, so I've got, a, I've got too many toys this morning. Um, but we want to we take a moment, and we're going to start our reading in Matthew chapter 1. And as we read from Matthew chapter 1, I'm also going to help us take a look and a peek at Luke chapters 1 and 2, where we get a summary, and I've got the children's storybook Bible to help us on that one. But let's start in Matthew chapter 1. Now, Matthew chapter 1 actually starts off with introducing, right at the beginning, the genealogy of Jesus the Messiah. Now, the word Messiah is another title. We're going to look at that on Christmas Day. As we are, we're going to look at the word Jesus, because we often think of Jesus Christ. And Christ is another name for Messiah. It's not his surname. It's his title. And we're going to look on Christmas Day what that means. But this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah or Jesus the Christ, came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married. They were engaged. She was engaged to Joseph. But before they came together, before they got married, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. All right. We need to go to Luke and find out what's going on. Everything was ready. The moment God had been waiting for was here at last. God was coming to help his people just as he promised in the beginning. But how would he come? What would he look like? What would he do? You know, the mountains would bow down. Seas would have roared. Trees would clap their hands. 
but instead the earth held its breath. As the winter snow was falling, probably written in England or something like that, he came. No one was looking in darkness he came because there was a young girl who was engaged to a man named Joseph. And Joseph was the great, 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 grandson of King David. One morning, this girl was minding her own business when suddenly a great warrior of light appeared right there in her room. He was Gabriel. He was an angel, a special messenger from heaven. When she saw the tall man standing there, Mary was frightened. Don't be scared, Gabriel said. God is very happy with you. Mary looked around to see if maybe he was talking to someone else. You can see a bit of poetic license being taken. Mary, Gabriel said, and he laughed with such gladness that Mary's eyes filled with tears. Mary, you're going to have a baby, a little boy. You will call him Jesus. He is God's own son. He's the one. He's the rescuer, the savior. So she thought, the God who flung planets into space and kept everything whirling round and round, the God who made the universe with just a word, the God who could do anything, is doing this, making himself small, coming down as a baby. God was sending a baby to rescue the world. My baby? I'm not married. It took a lot of stuff to work out. Apparently, according to this story, in the main reading, of course, it just says that was the main problem. Mary flagged straight away. How can that be true? Gabriel said, is anything too wonderful? That word wonderful means like not just as in awesome, but like miraculous, too beyond me, too wonderful for that. So Mary trusted God with more than her eyes could see. She believed God and said, I am God's servant. I will do whatever God says. So, are you listening? What do you call a man who lives at your front door? Matt, there we go. None of them have worked out what my favorites are. I've got to make sure there's a few left over. What do you call a lady who's burnt up her phone bill? I think I'm going to put a chocolate to one side. What do you call a lady who set fire to her phone bill? Give it a try. Sorry? Bernadette. Okay, that one stays with me. That one stays with me. This is mine. Okay. I've got one of my favorites. There we go. Okay. You were close. You were close. Nearly, nearly. Okay. So, back to our story. So, Mary found out through an angel's visit. Okay. And then, Joseph, her husband, who kept the rules, who kept the law, did not want to, to expose her to public disgrace. And so he had in mind to divorce her quietly. In those days, engagements were serious. It was like you were married, except you weren't living together. And so 
in order to break an engagement, he needed to get a divorce. And he didn't want to make a scene because girls got into lots and lots and lots of trouble if they were found to be pregnant while they were engaged and they weren't pregnant from their fiancé. Any case, but after he had considered it, an angel, and if you were here on Sunday night, you'd have known he had a bow and arrow this time. Well, the Lord appeared to him in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary home as your wife. What is conceived in you is from the Holy Spirit. This is, of course, an incredible wonder and miracle. She will give birth to a son. You to give him the name Jesus. I'm going to come back to that on Christmas Day. Because he will save his people from their sins. Just notice this. The name Jesus means the Lord saves. You to give him the name Jesus because he will save. The Lord has come to save. And this is where we're going now. All this took place to fulfill what the Lord had said through the prophet. The virgin will conceive. And give birth to a son. And they will call him Emmanuel. Emmanuel. Which means God is with us. Our God is with us. These names of Jesus speak to his identity. They speak so powerfully of the things. But the one thing I want you to know is that even though they're telling us God has come. And God has come to save. And God is the Messiah, which means anointed king. Like people didn't think of the word Messiah and think of someone in church. They thought of someone who was in charge of their whole country. They didn't so much crown kings as they anointed them. And so when someone was anointed, they were the priest or the prophet, and in this case, the king. Now, I want us to notice that when Jesus came, the story carries so much about the hardship. Mary and Joseph, they were young. I mean, they were really young. Mary would have probably been somewhere between the age of 13 and 17. That was the time that girls in those days got engaged. Any 13 to 17-year-olds here? Okay, you can fetch the chocolate. There we go. We've got to, because I didn't let you get Bernie. Uh, now, any others? Sorry, you were too slow. Um, I was looking the wrong way. But these names, they point to identity. And here's the thing is that, again, at Jesus' baptism, these words that is God's son, that is known by God, will begin to speak. So, what do you call a man with a car on his head? Jack, there we go. <laughs> I saw your dad helping you. <laughs> What do you call someone who keeps rabbits up his shirt? Warren, there we go. <laughs> 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 Tom. 
told you, you've got to keep concentrating, okay? <laughs> so the first thing we see is they were young. It was tough. They were unmarried. It was a scandal. And here it is. She's pregnant. And then <laughs> we see that they were very poor. You know, when, when Jesus was actually born and they went to the temple, they gave the offering of the poorest of the poor people. They were literally allowed to go and catch some little birdies and take them into the temple. And now they're traveling. Goodness me, all the way from Nazareth down to Jerusalem. She's very pregnant. We, uh, we hope she had a donkey. And when they get there, they have no shelter. We find that in this space, God has come. Now, when God does something, it's always helpful to think about not just what he's done, but how he's done it. Anyone just think for a moment when you look at those things and you realize this is the coming of God. What is God showing us in how he has done it? It's not a trick question that probably a few answers. Sorry, no chocolates on this one. Sorry. So he lives without judging others. Yes. Jesus is able to understand, resonate with, embrace all our sufferings, even the very poorest. Epiphany. Okay, Bridget, you'll have to answer for her. <laughs> Whatever you're going through, and so there's something about how God comes in these moments. There they are among the enemies, seemingly like outcast, outcast, ignored, abandoned, in real trouble. And it's to these people and through these people. You know, Mother Teresa used to say, when I'm looking into the eyes of someone who's poor, I'm always looking into the eyes of Jesus. It's to these people and yet through these people that Jesus comes. When we're talking identity, we're talking about God, we're talking about Savior, we're talking about King, and how does He come? He comes to these people and He comes through these people. The kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. The kingdom is... Like a crazy, upside-down kingdom. You see, God has come to us. We sang it, Christ the highest heaven adored. Christ the everlasting Lord. You know, late in time, it seemed very late for the Jewish nation. Way too late. Behold him come, offspring of a virgin's womb. Veiled in flesh, in other words, covered in skin. You can see God. Hail, the incarnate deity. Sorry, boys and girls. That means like cheer for the God who has become man, become a person. And so pleased as a man with us to dwell, he is Jesus, our Emmanuel. 
This took place to confirm what the Lord had said through the prophet, or fulfill, or bring to completion, that the virgin will conceive, give birth to a son. They will call him Emmanuel, God with us. You know, there was a Jewish uh, rabbi lived about 100 years ago, and he said of this, and he, he wasn't a believer in Jesus, but he said the most important Jew, uh, Jew who ever lived, speaking of Jesus, one who exercised greater influence on mankind and civilization than any other person, whether within the Jewish race or without it, a Jew whose life and character has been regarded by almost all the best and wisest people who've read and heard his actions as the greatest religious example, exemplar of every age. And then he says this, God's nearness was felt by Jesus directly with a vivid intensity unsurpassed by anyone. That's an amazing statement. But if it stops there, it's not enough. Why? Because of these names. Because of these names. You see, this word, Emmanuel, just, mean, just doesn't mean God is for us. That we feel close to God or God feels close to us. It tells us that Jesus is God. He's come. These are what these names mean. Now, I need to keep you concentrating. So what do you call a guy who's building a wall in the middle of a river? What do you call a guy who's building a wall? You better tell one of your sisters. Adam, Adam, yes, there we go. That was so clever. They're getting harder, aren't they? <laughs> you know, Leon is wondering, how the heck did she do that? Okay, what do you call a man hanging on a wall? It's an American name. You're hoping, you're wishing. <laughs> Am I going to win another chocolate? Art. Okay, it's an American name. It's short for Archie, okay? Okay, I'll give you another chance. What do you call a man who fixes potholes? Wait, wait, wait. No. Last chance. Patch, close. Phil, there we go. Matt, I'll give it to you. Okay. Okay, boys and girls, we're coming into the landing stretch. Think about this. Think about identity. So imagine Joseph in this stable with the animals around. And Mary's exhausted and Jesus needs a cuddle. And so he picks up this newborn baby. His wife is exhausted and he walks around. Hardly fusses like any dad of a newborn, terrified. And then he looks at the face, and he looks at the hair or the lack thereof, and he undoes the swaddling clothes and peeps at the hands and the feet. And he's talking quietly. And then he says, I've always wanted to know what your father looks like. Just be going. 
we are in danger of this faith. What a treasure. And remember, this is to whom God comes. This is through whom God comes. You know, God still has a plan to come to people today. And God still has a plan to come through people today. And in one sense, Paul says, for example, to the Galatians in chapter 4, I feel like I'm in the pains of childbirth, wanting to see Jesus formed in you. That's a weird thing. I mean, you know, someone's having pregnancy pains so that Jesus can be born in someone else's life. He's alluding to what happened to Mary. That literally God came and formed himself inside of her and then entered the world. And in one sense, that remains true for us today. The God who loves us, Paul says, he's, and it's still a struggle, it's still hard, but God wants to be formed in us so that he can still come to the world through us. You see, God knows life can be hard. God knows life can be tough. And this prophecy from Emmanuel comes from Isaiah chapter 7. Judah is being invaded and Ahaz, the king, is told to ask for a sign that the invasion will fail. He refuses. He he refuses. He says, this is just ridiculous. It's just impossible. Funny enough, when God's promises come, sometimes that seems to be the default setting. And he's given this prophecy. You meaning in plural in the Hebrew. Your whole house. Your your dynasty, one of your descendants, and you find him referenced there in Matthew chapter 1 and verse 9, will see a virgin conceive a son. This one will be born in extreme poverty because he has to eat curds and honey. In other words, it wasn't the normal diet. In other words, your kingdom and dynasty will seem like it's in ruins when he comes. No one will believe there's a kingdom available to you anymore when this baby comes. But the baby will come from a virgin when no one believes it's even possible. Do you understand something of Mary and Joseph's mystery in those moments? And so he gets this extraordinary sign. Our God is with us. Emmanuel. Now, just as I wrap up, I realize I've got way too many chocolates, guys. What do you call a man who loves traveling long distances? So like another American name, I'm sorry. Miles, there we go. Well done. Well done, Susan. Tell your dad, well done. Yeah. And what do you call someone who has a car license plate tattoo? Reg, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, let's see, I've got to give these away. What do you call a man who has cat scratches? Come on, come on, I've got to give this a Claude, there we go. <laughs> Yeah, 
Okay. Okay. <laughs> what do you call a man who loves exercising? Jim, there we go. Who said that? <laughs> Monique, okay, there we go. And now this one, there's two chocolates, okay? What do you call two guys in a window? I'm getting two chocolates. Curtain rod. 